Actually, it means for Memorial Day and for sacrifice, uh, most of us, if not all of us, can probably name somebody or someone they know or a family member that maybe they didn't get to meet because they paid the ultimate sacrifice in war. I know I lost two uncles in uh, World War II, so uh, it means something to us when we think about what we need to be doing for God and, and for our country when Memorial Day runs around every year. When I think of Memorial Day in America, my mind goes to the sacrifices so many have made and you and I can live in the freedom and liberty of the society that follows American sacrifice so much for us. Garth Brooks wrote a song and he said in his song, all gave some there you go, see, all of you knew it. Some gave, all gave some and some gave all. He's speaking there of the military and some of the things that they've gone through to protect the liberties we have here. I got to say, war is terrible. It's, I don't know why um, mankind has so invested themselves, I guess is a good word to say, to think war is a way of settling something. Um, for the most part, I would say war probably causes more problems than it solves. But as evil as men can be, and of course throughout the generations we've known that for about 6,000 years, war is not the answer. Amen? Actually, I think it's one of the most terrible things mankind can endure. Um, it, I think of the Civil War in Gettysburg. Do you know that at the city of, at the Battle of Gettysburg, 40,000 brothers killed each other, and another 100,000 were injured in one battle at Gettysburg in the Civil War? 40,000 and another 100,000 injured. That's, that's really a shame. Basically, they didn't have any strategic strategery for fighting a battle, and they just basically lined up on one on one side and one on the other and just kept shooting at each other. Uh, of course, they had single-shot muskets, and they had to stop and reload, and, and uh, it was a, a terrible conflict, if you would. But uh, we need to understand that war is an evil that is in our presence and the selfishness that the, it does and, and takes place in the hearts of way too many people that we live in the world around. Amen? Conflict has become a dominating influence. War has its roots in the existence of mankind going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Amen. Ever since God made man, if you would, in his image, and the enemy has come on the scene to destroy that image, that has uh, ever since been the basis for war. After all, it was the sacrifices that God established that caused, if you would, the first killing of a man at the hands of another man. We know that as the story of Cain and Abel. And what was it over? 
they came to sacrifice to God. God accepted one sacrifice and rejected the other. So instead of getting a better sacrifice the next time, he decided he'd have a better sacrifice if God only got one. So he killed his brother, thinking that would make his sacrifice look better. Actually, you know it was contrary to that. It actually made things much worse, not only for him, but for God and everyone that came after that. Amen. So we have the ability, because we are created in the image of God, to give sacrifice. Now, a lot of times we think a sacrifice as a death is involved in that. But sacrifice comes in many forms. You know, you give a helping hand to somebody. That's a sacrifice. You go to the grocery and you look behind you and there's a, a lady on a walker trying to get, what do you do? You stand there and hold the door open so she can get in, right? That's a sacrifice. That took time and effort on your part to do that. There are a lot of things that are sacrifices that sometimes we all just kind of overlook and take for granted. But the ability to give and sacrifice has been a major part of man's interaction with one another from day one. Amen? We should be willing to help each other. Life's tough enough when you go through it by yourself. It would be so much better if we went through it hand in hand, arm in arm, joined together in smiles and happiness and helping one another in life as it comes to us day by day. For example, if you get sick, what do you do? You go to a doctor. Now he takes his time and his ability and all the studies he's done before you came in, some of them have spent maybe even a decade studying so that when you come in and say, it hurts over here, he knows what to look at and what to think about it and how to treat it and how to do the therapy that may need anything that comes along, and he'll advise you how to get better. Isn't that something? That's a sacrifice on his part. I know most of you think about the bill that's coming in the mail. Don't worry about the bill. Worry about getting better. First, first things first. Amen? We'll take care of the bills at a later day. Amen? Now, I don't know what it's going to take to make you feel better. Might be therapy. Might be medication. Might be all kinds of things. Maybe even a lifestyle change you need to make. Maybe you're not doing enough of, of the exercises or the routine that you're doing. Amen. Maybe you're not sleeping correctly. There's a lot of things that actually can make us sick and we go to a doctor and of course we pay for his sacrifice to tell us how to get better. But if you're going to ever start feeling better, you are expecting someone to give a sacrifice to you whether it's the nurse, the doctor, or the therapist, or the pharmacist, something is going to have to take place for you to feel better if you're sick. And it's going to count a sacrifice from them. The same process would take place if you had a toothache. What do you do? Hmm. Well, if you got a sore throat. Well, if you got bad vision or loss of hearing or a bad back. Amen. 
You've got to go to somebody that can help you with your joint pain or your bad ankles or your bad hips or your bad knees or your bad shoulders or your bad elbows or your bad wrists or whatever. Amen. Sounds like we're all bad, don't it? Amen. <laughs> but there's hope because there are people that will sacrifice to see you doing better. Amen. So uh, I would appreciate myself, anyone that helps me when I'm suffering or when I'm going through issues that I can't solve myself to help me put those behind me. There are even times when your vehicle is sick and the different lights start lighting up on the dashboard. You think it's Christmas season because they're all flashing different colors. No, 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 it's got a problem. Now, we don't know what it is, but we know who to take it to, and they have to sacrifice their time, and now I realize you're being compensated for it, to fix your ailing vehicle and get it back on track the way it should be working. Maybe the heat's not working. Maybe the air's not working. Maybe the radio isn't working. I've had, as a... As a uh, Mechanic, I've heard all the complaints about all the different issues in a car to uh, get them fixed up. And I know one thing. If he says it's not doing one thing, if the air conditioner's not working, I don't tell him he needs new brakes. That's not got anything to do with air conditioning. I mean, so you have to learn how to diagnose and how to sacrifice your time to make it beneficial for the person that wants uh, all that to work out better in their vehicle. The same would be true of your house. You could have water problems, sewer problems, electrical problems, and whatever other problems, a leaky roof and whatever. So those are the kind of things that you have to take care of by getting someone to sacrifice and take care of those problems. You got a leaky roof? Don't call me. I don't get on the roofs because I know I don't bounce very well. So I'm not going up there and give gravity uh, a time for me to sacrifice. No way. Amen. So when you think about sacrifice on the basis of everything you have in your life to enjoy, it covers a lot of area. Amen. And we even think and go so far as uh, the protections as Americans to the salvation of our souls and what all the sacrifices that are made for us even to have a church service. Amen. We've got air conditioning, lights, fans, camera, action. Here we go, right? <laughs> Everything's working so that you can enjoy being in service. All these sacrifices, though, do come with a cost. Yesterday, my daughter came over because she was going to go with Bonnie to go see Grandma Beesler in nursing home. She came to our house, and just like at your house, the conversation went to the school shooting. Everybody's talked about it, right? Everybody's got an answer, right? Well, her answer for this school shooting was she thought that there ought to be police in every school. How about that? Would that solve it? I don't know. We could try. Well, it's got to be a step in the right. She said she was willing to pay more tax dollars. Are you? Huh. To, 
to put police in every school and be there to protect the kids. Would you be willing to double how much you pay in taxes? Well, that puts the rest of us in the poorhouse. But nonetheless, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not so sure paying more is the answer as if they would use what I already pay them to, more wisely in getting things taken care of. Amen? And uh, I, I told her the thing that I would look at uh, that I think is the real problem is any time, and this is what I'm going to do when I become governor of Ohio, my first executive order is going to be if you commit a crime and you use the gun, a rifle, a pistol, a crowbar, a baseball bat, any kind of weapon for the use of a weapon in that crime, and you get penalized for that crime, it automatically doubles. Instead of getting five years for that crime, if you had a weapon in that crime when you committed it, even if you didn't use it, if you had one on you, your, your sentence got doubled. Instead of five years, you'd get ten. Amen? I think if we would be a little bit more stringent in the penals we give and make them face those, for one thing, they would be off the street while they're paying that penalty, so they would eliminate the repeat offenders. Amen? And if you give somebody five years to think about what they did and then double it to ten, they're probably going to think a whole lot harder before they do it again, and others may uh, have influence on others in their family or outreach that they know uh, that's an, a situation they don't want to get in. Amen? Well, we know even if we paid more in tax dollars, that's not going to solve the problems, I, I don't think. Yeah, you might think different than me, and that's fine. We can sit down and talk about it. But if the money was the issue, billionaires like me wouldn't have any problems. Amen. And the billionaires, man, they'd be on easy street every day, wouldn't they? If money just solved everything. But some reason or another, it just doesn't happen that way. Amen. Money is not always the answer. It might help. But it's not the total answer in the situation. Amen. We need to make sure that we do things that are helpful to others around us. And I know money doesn't cure everything. But the soul of man has to be many, many, many times more important than uh, that what money can touch, but sacrifice can. Amen. We don't dwell on it all that much because the Spirit of God puts in us a spirit to pray. But you know, every time something comes up in our situations of life and different situations, when I hear somebody else has got an issue or problem or whatever, I don't. first thought I don't get is not to throw more money at it. My first thought is to pray. I don't know what lesson God is trying to teach someone, but if I can be sacrificed some time where I can get with it and sac you know prayer sacrifices time? Huh. The more you pray, the more you're sacrificing for somebody else. Amen. Or even yourself. Pray for yourself. Amen. So those are the things we need to understand 
that we need to be more of when we think of sacrificing. Amen. Many times we face situations that money can't fix, but prayer could. Amen. A quick look at our history and a brief look at our own situations makes that really clear that without sacrifice, we wouldn't be anywhere close to where we are today. Amen? My daddy taught me a lesson when I was just a little shaver. He said, in America, you can have anything you want if you're willing to work hard enough for it. Amen? You know, I'm kind of lazy, so I don't have a whole lot. But if you wanted to work harder, you could. Amen? If you want to hold down two jobs instead of one, you get to pay twice as much tax, and you can have a few more things. Isn't that great? Amen. The fact that uh, you all have a job and you all have an income from that job is because of your sacrifice or the sacrifice of someone else. Amen. If you're even on Social Security and you didn't earn that paycheck, somebody else had to sacrifice so you get one. Isn't that nice? Boy, what a country we live in, right? Amen. But in the Old Testament, we found out some things that God set up a standard for the sacrifices to the covenant and make a connection not only to God and man, but that should connect also man to man. So there's a lot of things I can sacrifice all day long that wouldn't help your situation. But God can move on it and take care of it. Amen? That's the way God set it up. And guess what? That's still the same today in our justice system that we have if they let it work the way it's supposed to. Let me tell you, the things that I would see come to pass would be things that I see would be better for other people. I told you what I'd do if I was governor. I'd make it stu uh, uh, stiff the penalties for things that uh, people want to do. The only way to stop gun crime is not to take away the guns. Because you take away the guns, you're taking them away from people that have them legally. And the people with, that are getting them illegally will still have them. That'd make it easier, if you really think about it, for the crime to uh, be carried out by those that want to do that. But I just say it this way. If you do the crime, you ought to do the time. Amen. We have become so soft on crime that everyone has to uh, expect everyone else to sacrifice but don't look to me for any sacrifice I'm too busy being selfish amen now then that's enough preaching I gotta get off the soapbox get into the Bible in Hebrews the ninth chapter I'm going to jump all over this ninth chapter because uh, Hebrews basically is going to cover 6,000 years of history in what sacrifice really is for God's people. Amen? The system of sacrifice that God had established between an eternal God and an earthly-minded people are set in the history of uh, everything we know, including the Bible. The real issue when it comes to sacrifice is sin. Sin is the number one issue. Got it? Actually, 
Sin is the dividing line between heaven and hell. So if sin is the problem, sacrifice in God's terms of the word of God is what takes care of the sin problem. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. Amen? Do you know that when Solomon built the temple, I was reading this not too long ago, how many thousands of bulls and goats and sheep and lambs and everything that he offered? It was in the thousands. It didn't really, if you want to look at his bank account, that really didn't really affect him all that much. But if you was just a poor farmer that only had two sheep and one cow and you had to sacrifice them, you'd be bankrupt pretty quick. Amen? So the sacrifice system sometimes is not really fair. All right? But God, uh, if you want to do look at it that way, it was still the system that God established. Amen? So we have to take care of it. Now, I guess the sacrifice system is where we come up with the thought of what a scapegoat is. Anybody know what a scapegoat is? Ah, that's where you did wrong, but somebody else paid the price. Amen? Well, if someone else is paying for your mistakes, you're probably not going to learn from that mistake. You need to have some skin in the game, so to speak. And that's a, a, something we all need to do when it comes to sacrificing. So at the beginning in Hebrews 9.1, it talks about the purpose of the temple. Now, I'm not going to read all this down through here, but you can read it and it'll tell you everything about the temple that was there and all the things that took place in that temple. And it was built um, for a place for all the offerings and all the sacrifices to be laid out, if you would, before God and for God to accept those sacrifices. Amen? No matter whose sin it was, it had to be sacrificed in the temple. All right? Basically, and I'm just giving you roughness here about that temple, there was two rooms. There's the first room, which was just common, and anybody could go in there uh, and worship God or do any uh, kind of service that God, they felt God would have them to do. Then there was the second room. And in the second room, it was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there. And he could not go in unless he was cleansed of his sin first and take a sacrifice into that Holy of Holies once a year as a blanket coverage of everybody's sin that covered everything from last time he was in there to this time he was in here this year. That sin offering covered everything uh, from year to year. You can read about all that in, uh, from verse 7 on down in the second. Let me just read that out to you, and then we'll talk about it. But into the second, that means the second room, the Holy of Holies of the temple, uh, went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, for the heirs, the word heirs there probably means sins. For the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into holiness of all was not yet manifest. Oh, it wasn't a complete work. It was a temporary work. Let's find out why. While as the first tabernacle was standing, which was a figure 
for the time present, that was good in their day, which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the surface perfect as pertaining to his conscience. That's very important that you understand that when it comes to sacrificing. Amen? That was in the Old Testament. That was Old Testament law. God, if you would, overlooked their sin because there was not a perfect sacrifice that could eliminate sin. That comes along later in what? Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, God took care of that. The problem with the animal sacrifices is it didn't touch the person that committed the sin and brought the sacrifice to God. It didn't touch what the last word is in that verse, their conscience. Amen? Did you know that? You know why people are repeat offenders in, in different crimes? It didn't connect with their conscience that they're not supposed to do that. I'm amazed. And I don't know any of you whether you have them or not. And I don't, it ain't none of my business, I guess you could say. But I'm amazed at how many yellow and red license plates I see on vehicles as I drive around. You know what that's for? Hmm. They have multiple DUIs. And I think that yellow license plate is not given to you until at least three or four DUIs. All right? Once you have that and you're driving around with one of them, a police officer can stop you anytime he wants. If he's sitting there eating his donuts and having coffee and you drive by and he finishes his donut and wipes the powdered sugar off his chin, he can pull you over and give you a breathalyzer test because of your past history and you didn't learn from the first two or three times you messed up and got a DUI. Isn't that something? They didn't learn. Well, the whole thing of having a sacrifice and giving of the, your personal time or money or effort is so you'll learn a lesson. Well, God wants us to learn and grow in the things we need to be in. So when we find here in verse 9 that this sacrifice that God did establish, it's just a temporary fix because that sacrifice could not make that one that had to sacrifice neither perfect nor touch his conscience. All right? So that sacrifice, yeah, he was glad it was there, and he glad he could get by with something or whatever you want to look at. But in the, the one verse, we see the entire purpose for God sending his son into the world. How many of you know John 3.16 by heart? Let me just read it real quick, and then we'll get back to Hebrews. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's only possible through the sacrifice that Jesus gave on Calvary for you and I. Amen? So back in, in the verse number 9 of Hebrews 9, notice that these sacrifices were figures. 
They represented something. The goat that was being offered, it wasn't the goat's fault that you sinned. The lamb that you took and had slaughter, it wasn't the lamb's fault. It was your fault. But they're a figure. They're temporarily taking your place by their sacrifice. Amen? It was not the, the bulls and goats that did everything wrong. It was the people. And that, that sin needed to be paid for. God would accept that sacrifice. But again, it wasn't perfect. Now what does perfect mean? Perfect means it can't be improved on. That's as good as it gets. That's what the word means. Amen? And nothing about this earthly sacrifice in the temple was perfect in the fact that it couldn't be improved on when Jesus Christ made the perfect sacrifice. From then on, it was going to be the perfect sacrifice God wanted it to be. Amen? So we need to understand how all those things work. But the big thing about animal sacrifice was it didn't cover the issue of the conscience of man. Not until Jesus Christ came into your life and by faith you accepted him, changed spirits, got rid of the devil that was driving you, allow the Holy Spirit into your life to use your conscience as a guide, then you could see what the sacrifice was really all about. Amen? Once the Holy Spirit affects your conscience, there are things you're going to do automatically. Did you know that? Sure. Amen? I am so conscientious about being fair with everybody, I'd rather pay them an extra dollar as cheat them a penny. I'm just that way. It's no big deal. Right? Amen. And if I find money on the ground, I got, I'm going to guarantee you right now, I'm going to pick it up. Now, if I see somebody else drop it, I'm going to give it back to them. But if it's just laying there in the middle of a parking lot and nobody around, I'm going to pick it up and put it in my pocket. And I'll tell you why. Because it says, in God we trust. Amen. And even when I'm in a grocery store and I see somebody drop a coin, amen, they're going to walk away and leave it. Uh-uh. I pick it up, take it back and give it to them. And I tell them, I'm giving that to you because I don't want you to lose it because it says, in God we trust on it. Be reminded, money's not going to pay the bills, but God can take care of them. Amen? Especially if you just throw the money on the ground. Amen? I, I kind of appreciate that. And there are people when I do service for them, they want to know how they can pay me. I didn't know we had so many different pay donors and pay pals and pay this and pay that and pay other. And I didn't know that. I had a guy that couldn't pay me because he couldn't write a check. He didn't have a checking account and he hadn't been to the bank to get the cash. Hey, you need to go to get, it, get the cash because you owe me. Amen. I tell him. I trust everybody, but especially I trust God because the money you're paying me says, in God we trust. Amen? All right. So we need to understand. That's knowledge. Amen. He should know where I'm at at 10 or 12. All right. But what? Did I miss something? 
I didn't sacrifice, did I? Okay. All right. But nonetheless, we're dealing at this point of the sacrifice in your and my conscience. Amen? If your conscience is there, you know why I don't steal from people? My conscience tells me I shouldn't do that. You know why? Because I don't want nobody to steal from me. You know why I don't lie to you? Because I don't want you lying to me. Amen. That's pretty simple. Why? My conscience tells me not to go down those avenues. Amen. But, <coughs> excuse me. Well, when Jesus' sacrifice is applied to our lives, your conscience is totally a different scenario. Amen. You are constant in reminded that sin is the issue and you need to get past that issue and move on to where Christ can be in your life what he needs to be. Now look with me down through here and I'm going to jump in in verse 11 and it's going to shift gears. And you know how I know it's going to shift gears? Because the first word in verse 11 is but. That's our study word. It means on the other hand. In other words, you're looking at this and it says but you're looking at this. It's the other side of the issue. But Christ being come a high priest. Now, if you want to know what the high priest was, you have to go back in Hebrews and read the 8th chapter. The 8th chapter is all about the high priest that Jesus Christ was in your predicament and my predicament. In the Old Testament, the high priest was the only one that could cover your sin. Now, Jesus is the one that is the perfect high priest. Amen? The high priest of good things to come and greater and more perfect tabernacle. Tabernacle back then meant the building or where God lives. No, we, God doesn't live in a building anymore. He moved out when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and now he lives in your tabernacle, in your life, in your heart. That's what that means. Not made with hands, that is to say of this building, and uh, neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into once into the holy place. That's not the tabernacle anymore. That's your heart. He enters your heart once. Uh, Where did I lost my place? Here. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Isn't that sweet? Amen. You can have eternal redemption from sin by going to the sacrifice that Jesus has given us. He is the perfect sacrifice. You know what that means, don't you? Perfect means it can't be improved on. Does that mean anything to you and me? You know, when I see that and I see the perfect sacrifice that Jesus gave, you know what that does for me? It eliminates all my works. I can't work up to be a better Christian than Jesus can make me with his sacrifice. Isn't that something? Now, there are works in salvation but they're not to gain salvation. Only way you're going to gain salvation is through grace, through faith, and not of works. That's what we read when we read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. How are you saved? You're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. Not of works. If you do that, all you do is bragging. Amen? Because the perfect sacrifice has been laid, and we can't improve on that. Amen? Now, if it had been a works, I would probably be working myself to death to try to become perfect. Right? No, that's not how it works. 
It would require some work on our behalf, but since salvation is by grace, it all falls in the spiritual realm of what Jesus has for us in his love and his mercy in calling us back into the place he wants us to be, and he becomes the redeemer of our soul as he sacrificed on the cross to be the one that's going to redeem us from our sins. Amen? Now, look down, drop down to verse 14. I just want to touch a few more verses here, and then I'll, I'll slow it down. Steve, Brother Steve said not to go over 30 minutes because you'll fall asleep. Amen. How much more shall the blood of Christ... See, think about it. How much more does the blood of Christ do for you than the blood of a bull or a goat? That's what the writer is teaching us. He says, how much more, though, uh, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Huh, because Jesus did not commit any sin. The Bible tells us that. Amen. He was perfect in that sin category. But his precious blood that he shed on Calvary took our place and purged our what? Conscience. His blood can purge your conscience from doing the dead works that got you in trouble with God to serve the living God. It doesn't mean you quit working. You just do it with a different purpose, with a different conscience. You do things and sacrifice now that, for God that you used to sacrifice for the devil. How about that stuff? Amen. So once you get your conscience cleared and purged, you're ready to work, walk on in the things that God wants us to do. Now, if you remember back up in verse 9, that was the problem with the animal sacrifices. They could not purge your conscience, but the blood of Jesus Christ can. Amen. And then you turn uh, from living in sin to living a life of righteousness in serving the living God, the Hebrew writer tells us. Now that uh, he has distinguished the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, here in this particular chapter, we see what the purpose of Jesus' blood was said for. It was a sacrificing process that you and I can tap into so that we can be on track with God. Now drop way on down into verse number 22. It says, and almost all things by law are purged with blood. That was under the old law. Every sin you committed was purged by some kind of a sacrifice, the blood of some kind of an animal. Amen? Uh, but, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I underlined that in my Bible. I need to always remember I cannot be forgiven of any sin without the remission or the shedding of blood through Jesus Christ. It's not me that does it. He's doing it for me. But I need to line my ducks in a row to line up with the ducks he's lined up the row that he lived so that that will have an impact in my life. So that's why Jesus' blood is so precious to us because it sets the pathway for the remission of sins in our lives. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any hope when we stand before Almighty God. 
So in verse number 24, where is Jesus now? Well, he's not dead and in a grave somewhere. Amen? He's in heaven itself. And he's our intercessor. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which was a figure, a representation of the true, of what it is now. But he's in heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God, not for himself, but for us. Huh? How about that stuff? So when God has an issue with you, he talks to Jesus about it. Huh. And when we have an issue with God, who do we talk to? We talk to Jesus because he stands between God and us now. He's the one that makes intercession and he's the one that uh, paves the way for our remission of sins. I don't know what you say about that, but I say hallelujah. And if you was here Thursday night, you'd be saying, alas, alas, amen. If those miss Thursday, you don't get that one. All right, but let's let, wrap it up real quick. Verse number 26. We don't have to go year to year with another animal sacrifice to do the things that cover our sins in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is now the only sacrifice God will accept for your sin and my sin. He's our Redeemer. Amen. He's the one that makes us valuable again. We were valuable to God before we committed sin. But once we committed sin, we lost our value. Well, how do you get your value back? Through the Redeemer. You can go back to Him, and He will redeem you and give you your value back. Amen? And He's the one that puts us valuable in the eyes of God. Amen. Now, that's not all. Verse 27 says, there's going to come a time of judgment. Hmm. See, you could apologize for what you did wrong. You could say, I'm sorry. You could even go to the person that you offended and make it right with them. Uh, what you stole, you could pay back. What you did wrong, you could correct. There's coming a time in judgment, verse 27 says, and it's appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. See, we're all going to face Christ when we leave this world. Amen? That's the next step after we leave this life. And then in verse 28, after we find out that we're going to be judged for everything we did, verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's mine and yours. And unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin, unto salvation. That's when it's complete. When he opens the door for heaven and invites you in after you went through death and the final judgment, that's when you're really going to understand how much of a sacrifice Jesus did for you and I. Amen? So Christ is offered for our sins, covered them with his blood, personal sacrifice. So when we meet God at the final judgment, Sin penalty will already be paid. And salvation from sin will be complete for eternity from that day forward. So when we think about the Memorial Day, first of all, 
thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That opens the door for our salvation. But then be thankful for all the sacrifices that make our life so much easier and filled with the benefits we, draw, we enjoy, such as freedom and liberty to operate in the way we see fit to operate our lives. Amen. When we're thankful, we will naturally become less critical of others and appreciate everything that others do to make our lives better. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the guy that stands there and pulls the plastic bag out and puts everything in it so all I have to do is put my fingers to those two loops and take out whatever I pay for. Amen. He bagged my groceries for me. Isn't that nice of him? Well, I realize he's getting paid for that, but he had to sacrifice his time, his ability to make sure all my stuff got put in the bag. Now, if he put something in and broke it, what would you do? You'd let him know about it, wouldn't you? But what if he did a good job? Why don't you tell him thank you? Amen. You made my life easier by putting those things in there. I can carry them now. If I break them after you put them in there, it's my fault, not yours. Amen? We need to be thankful for any little thing someone sacrifices for us. Paul uh, quoted Jesus in Acts 20, 35. And the only reason I know it's there, because I can't find it anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive. I cannot find that in a quote in the Gospels. I've looked for it and can't find it. It's just not there. But in Paul's writing in Acts 20, 35, it even shows up in red letters. You know what that means. That means it's a direct quote from Jesus. Now, just because Jesus didn't say it in those exact words doesn't mean he didn't teach it in principle, that it's better to give than to receive. Because Paul took what he did teach, and that was the conclusion that Paul wrote in Acts 20, 35 to those folks, and said, you know what? It's better to give than to receive. Did you know that? I'm of the opinion, the more you sacrifice for others, the more it's going to come back to you when they sacrifice for you. Amen? It'll be better, sweeter, and you'll enjoy it more. Amen? I know a lot of you have sacrificed in a lot of the things, raising your kids or doing whatever you did. Uh, I appreciate my wife sacrificing for me. She fixes my strawberries and ice cream, and I don't even have to get out of my easy chair to go get it. What a sacrifice. Amen. She takes care of me. So it's my responsibility from time to time to sacrifice to her. Amen. You know, we've got a car, and we've had it for over a year now. And she's never had to put gas in it. She, isn't that something? Somebody else pumps her gas every time. And that somebody is the fat guy right here. I don't mind sacrificing to get gas in her car so she don't have to get smelly and, and uh, get gas all over her hands and everything. Besides, she didn't carry enough money to pay for it anyway. But nonetheless, if she have, if marriage is a give and take. Amen. It's good to give, it's good to receive. But we need to be focused on what we're doing for Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's be what Christ wants us to be. Accept his sacrifice of his blood and be the child of God he wants for us to walk in this world. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Amen? Let us stand.